But his brother, Prince Frederick, seemed to be a fine young man. Stiff as a poker, said Hay, Prussian style. They call him the Stabs, Captain. He's nice enough to look at, conceded Lady Georgiana, adjusting the folds of her olive-brown pelisse. But he's only eighteen and can't signify. Georgie, protested Hay. She laughed. Well, but you don't signify either, Hay. You know you don't. You are just a boy. Wait until we go into action. Certainly, yes. You will perform prodigies and be mentioned in dispatches, I have no doubt at all. I dare say the Duke will write of you in the most glowing terms. General Maitland's ADC ends in Lord Hay. There was a general laugh. I have every reason to be satisfied with the conduct of ends in Lord Hay, said Hay in a prim voice. Old hooky writing in glowing terms. That's good. Hush now, I won't hear a word against the Duke. He is quite the greatest man in the world. It was not to be expected that Mr. Creevy, a confirmed Whig, could allow this generous estimate to pass unchallenged. Under cover of the noise of cheerful argument, Sir Peregrine Taverner moved to where his brother-in-law stood in front of the fire, and said in a low voice, "'I suppose you don't know when the Duke is expected in Brusselsworth?' "'No, how should I?' replied Worth in his cool way. "'I thought you might have heard from your brother. "'Your sister had a letter from him about a week ago,' but he did not know when he wrote when the Duke would be free to leave Vienna. He ought to be here. However, I'm told that since Lord Hill came out, the Prince has not been talking any more of invading France. I suppose it's true he was sent to keep the Prince quiet? I expect your information is quite as good as mine, my dear Peregrine. Sir Peregrine Taverner had attained the mature age of twenty-three, had been three years married and two years out of the Earl of Worth's guardianship, and was, besides, the father of a pair of hopeful children— but he still stood a little in awe of his brother-in-law. He accepted the snub with a sigh and merely said, "'One can't help feeling anxious, you know. After all, Worth, I'm a family man now.' The Earl smiled. Very true. "'I don't think, if I had known Boney would get away from Elba, I should have taken a house in Brussels at all. You must admit it is not a comfortable situation for a civilian to be in.' He ended on a slightly disconsolate note, his gaze wandering to the scarlet splendour of Lord Hay. In fact, said the Earl, you would like very much to buy yourself a pair of colours. Sir Peregrine grinned sheepishly. Well, yes, I would. One feels confoundedly out of it. At least, I dare say you don't, because you are a military man yourself. My dear Perry, I sold out years ago. The Earl turned away from his young relative as he spoke, for Lady Georgiana had got up to take her leave. Beside Judith Worth's golden magnificence, Lady Georgiana seemed very tiny. She submitted to having her police buttoned close to her throat by her tall friend, for even on this fourth day of April the weather still remained chilly, stood on tiptoe to kiss Judith's cheek, promised herself the pleasure of meeting her at Lady Charlotte Greville's that evening, and went off under Hay's escort to join her mother, the Duchess of Richmond, at the Marquis Dash's house at the corner of the park. Since Mr. Creevy showed no immediate disposition to go away, Lady Worth sat down again, and made kind inquiries after his wife and stepdaughters. One of the Misses Ord, he confided, had become engaged to be married. Lady Worth exclaimed suitably, and Mr. Creevy, beaming all over his kindly face, disclosed the name of the fortunate man. It was Hamilton. Yes, Major Andrew Hamilton, of the Adjutant General's staff, an excellent fellow. Between themselves, Hamilton kept him pretty well informed of what was going on. He got all the news from France, but under pledge of strict secrecy. 
Lady Worth would understand that his lips were sealed. And you too, he added, fixing his penetrating gaze upon her. I dare say you have information for your private ear, eh? I, said Lady Worth. My dear Mr. Creepy, none in the world. What can you be thinking of? He looked arch. Come, come, isn't Colonel Audley with the great man? My brother-in-law? Yes, certainly he is in Vienna, but I assure you he doesn't tell me any secrets. We don't even know when we may expect to see him here. He was disappointed, for news, tidbits of scandal, interesting confidences whispered behind sheltering hands, were the breath of life to him. However, since there was nothing to be learned from his hostess, he had to content himself with settling down to what he called a comfortable prose with her. He had already told her, upon his first coming into her salon, of a singular occurrence, but he could not resist adverting to it again. It was so very remarkable. Sir Peregrine had not been present when he had first related the circumstance, so he nodded to him and said, "'You will have heard of the new arrivals, I dare say. I was telling your good sister about them.' "'The king?' said Peregrine. "'The French king, I mean. Is he really coming to Brussels? I did hear a rumour, but someone said it was no such thing.' "'Oh, the king!' Mr. Creevy waved his sacred majesty aside with one plump hand. "'I was not referring to him.' though I have reason to believe he will remain in Ghent for the present. Paltry fellow, ain't he? No, no, something a little more singular, or so it seemed to me. Three of Boney's old marshals, no less. I had the good fortune to see them all arrive not ten days ago. There was Marmont, who went to the Hotel d'Angleterre, Berthier to the Duc d'Orembergs, and Victor, now where do you suppose? Why, to the Hotel Wellington of all places in the world. "'How ironic,' remarked Worth, who had come back into the room from seeing his other guests off. "'Is it true, or just one of your stories, Creevy?' "'No, no, I promise you it's quite true. I knew you would enjoy the joke.' Lady Worth, who had accorded the tale at this second hearing no more than a polite smile, said in a reflective tone, "'It is certainly very odd to think of Marmont in particular being in the English camp.' "'The Allied camp, my love,' corrected the Earl with a sardonic smile." "'Well, yes,' she admitted. "'But, you know, I can't bring myself to believe "'that the Dutch-Belgian troops count for much. "'While as for the Prussians, "'the only one I have laid eyes on is General Roder. "'And, well,' she made an expressive gesture. "'He's always so stiff and takes such stupid offence at trifles "'that it puts me out of all patience with him.' "'Yes, he will never do for the Duke,' agreed Mr. Creevy.' Hamilton was telling me there is no dealing with him at all. He thinks himself insulted if any of our officers remain seated in his presence. Such stuff. A man who sets so much store by all that ceremonious nonsense won't do for the Duke's headquarters. They couldn't have made a worse choice of commissioner. There's another man, too, who they say will never do for the Duke. He nodded and pronounced, Our respected quartermaster general. Oh, poor Sir Hudson Lowe. He is very stiff also, said Lady Worth. People say he is an efficient officer, however. I dare say he may be. But you know how it is with these fellows who have served with the Prussians. There's no doing anything with them. Well, no doubt we shall see some changes when the beau arrives from Vienna. If only he would arrive. It is very uncomfortable with him so far away. One cannot help feeling uneasy. Now that all communication with Paris has been stopped, war seems so very close.
Then Lord Fitzroy Somerset and all the embassy people being refused passports to come across the frontier and having to embark from Dieppe. When our chargé d'affaires is treated like that, it is very bad, you must allow. Yes, interjected Peregrine, and the best of our troops being in America. That is what is so shocking. I don't see how any of them can be brought back in time to be of the least use. When I saw the prince, he was in expectation of war breaking out at any moment. No chance of that, I assure you. Young Frog don't know what he's talking about. Meanwhile, we have some very fine regiments quartered here, you know. We have some very young and inexperienced troops, said Worth. Happily, the cavalry did not go to America. Of course, you're a hussar yourself, but you must know very well there's no sense in cavalry without infantry, replied Peregrine knowledgeably. Only to think of all the peninsula veterans shipped after that cursed American war. Nothing was ever so badly contrived. It is easy to be wise after the event, my dear Perry. Lady Worth, who would listen to many such discussions, interposed to give the conversation a turn towards less controversial subjects. She was assisted very readily by Mr. Creevy, who had some entertaining scandal to relate, and for the remainder of his visit nothing was talked of but social topics. Of these there were many, since Brussels overflowed with English visitors. The English had been confined to their own island for so long that upon the Emperor Napoleon's abdication and retirement to Elba they had flocked abroad. The presence of an army of occupation in the Low Countries made Brussels a desirable goal. Several provident mamas conveyed marriageable daughters across the Channel in the wake of the guards, while pleasure-seeking ladies such as Caroline Lamb and Lady Vidal packed up their most daring gauzes and established their courts in houses hired for an indefinite term in the best part of Brussels.